Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the show. We drop these every Tuesday for your viewing pleasure. If you're going to work, if you're going to the woods, if you're hanging out mowing grass around the yard, we're bringing you content every Tuesday morning, uh, our way of saying thanks for uh, tuning in. And so this week we've got an episode with Mr. Jake Bush. He has been on the podcast numerous times. He is, I consider, probably one of the fastest big buck growing uh, guys out there. The guy just seems to get it done every year. He's built his entire life surrounding whitetails and he's just a wealth of knowledge. And so what we try and do on the show is, is once we build these connections with people, we try and ping back to them periodically and, and, and pick their brain and talk to them about what's going on, what their plans are. And Jake Bush is one of those guys that uh, I, I don't know that there are very many who put more time into the woods scouting. In fact, he describes deer season as the off season because he's doing way less work, it sounds like. And so uh, that, that's not something you hear a lot of people say, you know, and I just I enjoy having him on the show. So huge shout out to Jake for taking more time out of his day because he also just had a baby boy and uh, he's balancing a lot there, but uh, meant enough to him to get on the show and we were very happy to have him. If you're new to the show, thanks for tuning in. I've said that earlier, but uh, we got a couple things to tell you before we get to the episode. Uh, first and foremost, we have a new Patreon shout out. If you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is a crowdfunding source that allows us to do more of this show. We are always going to continue to do this show. We enjoy it, but those monies go towards travel dollars, uh, Zoom hosting fees, all the different things that allow us to grow and scale this podcast and bring you more of it. So if you like to see the idea of more in-person podcasts, maybe live stream events with multiple guests, all of that comes with additional charges and you know, when you guys chip in, it allows us to do more of that. Chase is going to the Midwest this year. We're going to hit multiple states. We're going to have a good time, and you guys are making that possible. So one of the things we do to say thank you is we give you a shout-out on the podcast. So Ben Lewis, thank you for signing up, man. Really appreciate you. 
he got a hat with his registration, a sticker, a shout out on the podcast, and he got access to the Patreon uh, Marco Polo group. And so if you don't know what Marco Polo is, it is a video chat app. You can put in short little videos. Think Snapchat, but for kind of grown people. And uh, it, we've built a small community of about 30 people who all have unique skills, unique personalities, and they bring something fun to the table. Some guys are really passionate about archery and have helped other members in the group tune their bows when they were having issues. We have other guys who, like Jake Bush, put in 90-something hours in the offseason already to date. Uh, and and contribute a lot to that group. But more importantly, it's a positive, encouraging place where everybody can share ideas, concerns, questions, and get back the kind of positive feedback they want. So if that's the kind of community you'd like to belong to, if you'd like to get some swag, be entered into our quarterly giveaways, and just support the show, check it out online. It's in the show notes, but chasingtails.com. I'm sorry, patreon.com forward slash chasingtailsoutdoors. That is where you can sign up. This show is also supported by Spartan Forge. If you are looking for a way to help you decide where to hunt, to help you scout, to help you be a better whitetail hunter, Spartan Forge is AI for whitetail hunters. What that means is they've compiled tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of GPS data points on whitetails, showing them what whitetails do under certain scenarios. They've created patterns, and then they've put those patterns into an app to help you make the decisions. And we're going to have Bill Thompson here on the on the show real soon. We're going to do a refresher with him. So if you missed the previous episodes, go back and listen to him in anticipation. But for right now, for our Chasing Tales listeners, if you use the promo code CHASINGTALES, T-A-L-E-S, you can lock in for life $20 for life, $20. By the time all the features of this app are rolled out, it's going to be upwards of 70 or 80 bucks. I can tell you firsthand having used this across two different States in two areas of the, of the country that tend to have really wonky deer habitat and activity. It proved to be right more often than not. I really feel like it was a confidence booster. When I said, thought to myself, I need to go here, the app would help me make that decision. So if you're interested, check them out, SpartanForge.com, promo code ChasingTales. Also, we got to thank the people at Tethered who make deer hunting easier by creating some of the best saddle hunting products on the market from the Tethered One Stick, Predator Platform, Phantom Saddle. They have made it ridiculously easy to get into trees that you never could have hunted before, areas you couldn't have hunted before with way less weight penalty. I mean, seriously, their gear is ultra light. It is phenomenal. Huge shout out to Greg and Ernie and all the guys over there at Tethered for jumping on board to support the podcast from the earliest point. They are phenomenal guys with phenomenal products and we cannot recommend them enough. Lastly, Scree Gear creates technical products that can take you from Colorado to the swamps of Florida, keep you cool, keep you dry, keep you warm, and most importantly, keep you out there longer, all at a terrific price point. So if you're interested in getting some of the best camo on the market for all the varying conditions, check them out, ScreeGear.com. Use the promo code ChasingTales15 to get 15% off any regular priced item. With that, guys, I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the podcast with Jake Bush. Chase will be back on the next episode. And until next time, see you later. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, every so often we get to track down a legend. And what I mean by that is uh, it's very hard to get a hold of some people because they are always where there's no cell service. And that tends to be uh, the kind of people who can come on here and drop a lot of awesome wisdom. Today we're going to be catching up, BSing a little bit with the legendary Jake Bush. Dude, I got to say, your episodes tend to be some of our most popular episodes. So uh, thank you again for, for jumping on the phone with me. Hey, thanks for having me, man, and uh, I'm really glad that everybody 
enjoys the podcast and can take something away from them, that's that means a lot to me. So as long as that's the case, we'll keep doing them. Absolutely, dude, for sure. It's uh, it's a good time of the year to, to, to be talking, to be BSing a little bit here. And uh, it's always interesting for me to see what people do in the off season because it kind of tells you who they are with regards to the whitetails. For instance, everybody knows I'm an amateur because I've been doing a lot of fishing and not a whole lot of scouting. So <laughs> <laughs> I wear that badge proudly. I don't tell anybody. I, I don't even try and pretend like I'm on your level. But what is what have you been up to, man? I mean, season has ended. It, it's coming past. What, what, where, where do you go from here? Well, disclaimer: I did take a little fishing trip, so uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not out of the clear. But, <laughs> but, but no, for me, it's been uh, you know, it's kind of nonstop. Really, if I if I think about an off season, is is as crazy as it sounds, I think that the off season for me, when I spend the least amount of time actually doing anything, might be in season. That makes sense, you know. Right now, it's I'm hammering away. I mean, I've been I've been scouting like crazy, putting boots on the ground. This year, I'm uh, really pushing real close to that 500 mile mark already. It's been been just really exploring a lot of new areas, trying to figure a lot of new bucks out. Um, I found a lot of really good sheds over the winter and springtime. I think we talked about that a little bit. And the the biggest thing is I'm trying to put some of these pieces together on some of these good bucks. You know, I've got a couple bucks that are going to be absolute hammers. I mean, Boone and Crockett class deer. And I'm, I really scouted hard for them. And uh, the last couple weeks, I put out a bunch of cameras. In the last two weeks, I put out over 20 cameras. And I'm I'm fine-tuning these areas. So um, I, would, I would say I have three or four, like, core areas where I have, you know, four or five cameras placed out. And those are areas that I know there's already a buck of the class that I want to chase. I'm just really trying to figure them out. You know, I, I located all the beds. I know where all the food's at. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what trails he takes the most, what his tendencies are based on specific wind directions. and really trying to fine tune it. And then on the flip side of that, I've got some areas that just look like killer spots I found this winter. And I've thrown, you know, like one camera in each of those spots just to kind of get some intel throughout the summer and throughout the year on what's going on in that area. You know, does it have a buck that's bigger than I predicted? Does it have uh, like a specific date where they're kind of moving through that area and trying to just fine tune as much as possible? It's actually funny because uh, 10, 15 this morning. So what is this? it's two o'clock right now. Are we doing this too? two o'clock so three and a half hours ago i had my number one target buck for the year on camera in daylight hitting a scrape yeah and he's already i mean he's already got g5s so he is he's a buck. <laughs> grown yeah. Yeah, that is that's and, awesome and i've been waiting patiently for that one that's a spot i actually have seven cameras in that location and uh first picture i've got of him was today and hopefully that becomes a consistent thing that's that's that camera is in between where I suspected bedding, which is really close to the road, but you have to make a big circle to get in there because there's a little sliver of private. It's it's in between that bedding, and it's in between uh, a big um, alfalfa field. And so he's going from the bedding to the field. But the, the special thing about that spot that I found this winter is there is a giant – we kind of talked about it before, a strip mine land. So there is a giant um, – basically like a pond that got cut out by this big bucket where it's probably 50 yards wide and I mean, the cliffs are like 80 feet on each side down to this huge pond and they can't walk down there. I mean, the water's probably, I don't know, 10, 20, a hundred feet deep. 
But so he has to walk through this little tiny sliver of land to get to that field. And that's where that scrapes at. And I mean, if he, if he continues that pattern, he's in trouble big time. So he better, better figure something out pretty quick. (laughs) One of the interesting things to me, and we talked about this on a previous podcast is what a guy like you does in the off season. And what I mean by that is your strategy about going after deer. The first time we had you on, uh, I, I can't remember if we talked about it on the air or off the air, but you, you, you told us you had like 20 something deer you were willing to like, you know, kind of keep tabs on, you know, some of which were worth your time immediately. Others were worth keeping tabs on. And my immediate thought then, and has always been like, how does Jake balance which ones he wants to go after versus there's always that desire, especially for public land to go to areas that you haven't been before, because maybe you, you, you drop one of those one twenties and suddenly you're after a one seventy that you find. So how, how have you kind of balanced that moving forward? So the, the biggest thing for me, you know, I've, I've evolved throughout the years and it, and it goes back and forth. And that's kind of the interesting thing about being a bow hunter, especially a public land bow hunter is your goals are constantly changing. Your strategies are constantly changing. You know, you hear something on a podcast that is just like a light bulb moment for you. There's, there's all these different factors in every situation and that changes throughout the year. I love that about bow hunting. Um, you know, I've, I've spent years where I'll disperse like one camera in each location and just try to pick up as many big bucks as possible. And like this year, for instance, I'm fine tuning it down. I'm saying, okay, you know what? I'm really confident in my abilities to locate big bucks through my scouting. I'm going to pick these four core areas out of the hundreds of thousands of acres that I've scouted. I have four core areas I really want to focus on, but I want to keep tabs on these, these other locations as well. And really what it's going to come down to for me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll more than likely I'll have like four or five bucks that are really close to the same class of deer, preferably right around that Boone and Crockett mark. And what I'll try to do from that point, say I have five that are really close from that point, it's going to be, which one do I think is the most killable? And that's the one that I'm really going to try to attack on early season and be as efficient as possible. You know, I've got a Kansas trip planned. I've got Indiana planned, potentially Michigan. I've got a lot of different things going on. So I want to be as efficient as possible the first couple days, first week of season. So if I can, you know, say that I have a buck that's, 175 and then i have a buck that's 165 168 whatever he is and he's extremely patternable i'm gonna go for that you know second tier buck just because it's something i can take down immediately now that'll obviously evolve as well you know if i get an absolute giant on camera that changes things like last year i had a buck that was substantially bigger than everything else and so i chased them really hard for a long time and it, it ended up biting me but on the flip side i learned so much about not only that deer but how any mature mature buck moves in that area, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, you know, it's, it's a, a tragedy of the riches, right? Like having to navigate all of this and I'm happy for you because <laughs> I'd much rather be in a place where I'm like, eh, between these bucks, I'm going to go after this one. Right. You know, that's, uh, that, that, that doesn't always tend to be, uh, the case, but it's always fascinating to pick your brain on that. I think, uh, I think, the effort that you've put in, can you, can you give us an idea about how much, how many hours you think you've put in or miles? Who? So miles scouting, I would say this year between shed hunting and scouting, which I kind of correlate the two because I'm, I'm never fully shed hunting. You know, I'm scouting areas and I'm, I'm stumbling upon sheds. It just, I put so many miles and I, I find a lot of sheds doing it. Um, but so, so roughly about 500 miles boots on the ground and 
you know, that's not including drive time or anything else. I mean, if we factor in hours on top of that, oh my gosh, I, I, I really can't even quantify the amount of hours that I probably spent physically doing it. Not to mention Onyx, uh, whatever other apps that I'm using at the point at the, at that time, you know, I use just about every app out there and it really, I mean, it's, it's never ending. It's always kind of, it's always kind of going on. I mean, even before this podcast, you know, like I got that buck on camera and I opened up my maps and I'm starting to plan out, you know, okay, the wind's doing this today. The weather's this, we have a little cold front. I know that he was at that field. He was at that field a little bit later in the morning and he's on his way back. Oh, he hit the scrape right on time. He's walking another 175 yards. He's going to bet up on this point that sets up perfect for this wind today. And I should get him coming right back off that bed again tonight. You know, like I'm always, it's always, the wheels are always spinning, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, especially when you have the information, it's funny. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here if you'll, if you'll humor me, but there's, there's like this period of transition from when you don't know anything to where you think you know something to where you know, you know something. And I was thinking today, uh, my brother and I went bass fishing. I'll make the connection here in a minute, guys. I promise. We went bass fishing the other day. It's 20 something mile an hour sustained winds on a big deep water lake where we don't tend to catch things. And, uh, cause it's just, it's, it's harder fishing in the summertime here in Florida. And I told my little brother, I said, listen, I found this, this feature on the map. It looks really good. The wind should be blowing the bait fish over the top. I bet you these bass are just stuck behind there and you know we're going to drag our lures through catch them and stack them up like cordwood that was a guess i've moved from don't know anything to i've got the knowledge uh and i think i'm on to something and you know if i continue to do that then i'll be able to predictably say that that when i'm sitting at home i'm not going i bet you this it's going to be like those deer or those here's the, the the correlation those deer are doing x because of x conditions and then you make a game plan to to attack that situation and i feel like that's where you are you've put in so much time that it's while you're probably pondering it's less pondering if we're being honest and probably a lot more of you saying these are what deer are going to be doing under these conditions and then you're 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 making moves am i right 100 percent. and it wasn't always that way for me and now that i'm you know now that it just consumes me constantly throughout the years it's evolved and I, I, I can look back on it and see the things that I was missing out on before. And I think that's really important to all the listeners too. You know, like if the, the guys that are really getting it done, it, it's always a focus point They're The wheels are always turning They're It's not like there's like a secret sauce to any of this. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really just a, the amount of effort. I mean, you know, like I could probably call it quits for the summer and kill the deer this fall based on the intel I already have. But why not spend all summer just fine-tuning that and putting all these pieces together and correlating data and being really precise and surgical as quickly and efficiently as possible? Why not give myself that chance to where, you know what, I go in and I mess up. I, you know, I get the wind wrong or I get the thermals wrong or I make noise or, any, you know, I crack a stick at 60 yards. Say any, I miss. Say I miss my shot. You know, I deflect off a limb. I have backup plans because of all of this work I'm putting in now. And I think that's really important. You know, don't put all your eggs in one basket and just rely on it. Keep digging and keep grinding throughout the season. And you're going to have so many more opportunities and you're, you know, even with failures, you're going to have success. How long into being a deer hunter do you feel like that transition happened? And do you think it happened based on unique areas or do you feel like you kind of a, uh, accumulated a knowledge base that just applies pretty much anywhere you go. I, Tough I question. Say, I know. 
<laughs> it, it is a tough question. And I, I think that, you know, the, the big thing for me is that I, the more work that I put in, I, I see more success. And that's something that becomes addicting to me. Like I, I realized, hey, if you keep going, if you keep putting in work, you're going to have more success no matter where you go. You know, like last year we didn't kill in Michigan, but we put a ton of work in with e-scouting, got up there and we just had this game plan and we worked really hard and we got on good bucks late season in Michigan on public land. And that was one that really stuck out to me. I was like, we can do this anywhere if you're willing to put the amount of time and effort that it takes. And then obviously seeing that in Ohio, seeing it in New York, um, hopefully Kansas this year. But I would say that it's it's just evolved. It really was like the realization for me that the that success is directly influenced by the amount of work that you're willing to put in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you and I, last time we talked, we talked about the – well, let me ask you, did, did we mention the Thomas – Thomas Jefferson quote that I enjoy so much. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, It's, 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 it's one of those things where the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And I think it's, I think you can be real, you have to be real cautious not to like get so caught up in the like consuming of knowledge and not put in enough time like applying it, right? Like it's, it's easier to sit at home on the couch. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not doing that right now, but it's easier to sit on the couch at home, drink a beer and listen to a podcast or watch a hunting show about how to do it. It, it, it sucks trying to apply it. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's not the, that's not necessarily the easy part of it because it's, it, you know, it's unfulfilling sometimes when you make mistakes or you don't know if you're making mistakes, that's the difficult part, but you just got to get out there and, and get after it, man. And I think that's what I love about your hustle is you're just always after it. Yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to, man. I mean, that you nailed it on the head for sure. That's perfect. So, so talk to me. What about out of states? What what are you doing this year, man? What are your what are your fall plans look like? So, I've got Kansas planned. Kansas is going to be a big one. That's going to be a, a different type of hunt for me. Something that I'm really excited for. Um, you know, typically I'm a early season or very late season guy because it's it's surgical to me you know i can i can find these bucks i can pattern them i can plan out how to kill them i can figure out what they're browsing on what their primary food source is what their secondary food source is different bedding locations based on wind or cover or pressure and all these different things and play the chess game like that's that's the game i love the most kansas this year is going to be a little bit different for me it's going to be third week november uh really i'm looking for the big mature gnarly daytime walkers you know it's it's after like the two and three year olds are really moving it's going to get into those those big bucks really looking for that last doe and reason being i chose that date is a some some podcasts i i consume some data from other really well-known hunters that go out there third week in november right before uh gun season and they they kill giants and the other thing is from the data that i have from other states as well you know as far as if, if I had to pick a week in Ohio to hunt, I would pick the first week for me, and then I would pick the last week of October, and then I would pick the third week of November. The the two first two weeks of November to me, I mean, you're, A, pressure is insane, you have people all over the place, and B, you have a lot of younger class bucks running around, where that third week in November, like the 19th, for example, through the, like the 21st, 22nd, my cameras light up with giant bucks. I mean, I'm talking like I've had four or five bucks the same day dating over 160 inches on public. So so that's, yeah, that's when it really turns on. So I'm going to take the data that I've gained here and try to take it out to Kansas and see how it plays out. Um, I do have Indiana planned as well. 
that one's going to be a little bit different. It's going to really depend on how efficient I am in Ohio. You know, if I do, ideally for me, you know, in my head, I'm killing first day here. Like that's my thought process, <laughs> right. whether, whether it happens or whether it doesn't happen <laughs> until December, my thought process is day one, I'm killing. So my plans right now are Indiana the last week of October, but you know how that works. There's a ton of different failures that could happen. There's a ton of things that could go wrong. Um, but that's that's the game plan as of right now. And then I had such a blast in Michigan last year that I really want to go do that late season again. It was it was a ton of fun. It was some really big country, you know, huge swamps. And it was basically you against the deer. There's nobody else out there that time of year. So it's cold. It's nasty. You wear waders in the tree. They get frozen to the point where you can – they'll basically stand up without you even inside of them. It's a blast. That probably awesome. didn't sound like a blast, but it's a blast. <laughs> that's all i mean it does sound like fun i think i think also there's something to be said for finding creative ways to go after those states that no one wants to go after right like no one in their right mind and i'm speaking generally here travels to michigan late season to, to go after deer most people don't travel to michigan to hunt deer during the rut because of the pressure let alone late yeah. season when it's miserable out but you're kind of that guy that i think you're you're you kind of like punishing yourself when it comes to testing yourself in the in the whitetail woods and that's that's what that comes down to that that's a that's a test you know how how good am i at this how how much can i like apply from different areas to a specific area at any time of year and get on good bucks and that's it's really important to me to have like last year the failure in michigan you know i didn't kill that was so important to my drive throughout the year because it just it motivated me so much more and that's one thing to take away from it too like each failure that you have just you know take it to the next level step it up learn from that and just keep going and uh yeah it is it you got to be kind of you got to be kind of messed up to do something like that i think but uh <laughs> it's a blast man i mean i no matter what the circumstances are i'm such a whitetail nut i just i love it that's awesome man yeah i i can see the passion for sure with with that i think that you know there aren't as many ways to do that late season here because our late season is still our peak. Right. And the, you know, that I look at you in the snow and doing what you're doing up there with everything freezing. And it's just like, Oh God, that looks awesome. That's happening in what December, January. Yeah. 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 And that's our peak rut for, for, for majority of our spots. And so um, for me, it's, I think it's kind of a, a different test in that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hunting fairly pressured public land late in the year by December, January, it's easy to get burnt out. Right. You've been hunting since September. You've been hunting hard since September. And I think it's all about pushing, pushing your limits and, and trying to find a way to, you know, improve your situation. And last year I kind of struck off and did the Southwest Georgia thing and invested weeks on end into that. And it paid off, you know, I killed a couple deer up there. And, um, you know, that was kind of me testing myself was going up to a new area that, uh, potentially had a different set of circumstances different opportunities and it's fun doing that. And it definitely validates you when it go when all, all comes together, dude, you feel like John Eberhart in the end of the day. You really oh, do. Oh yeah. There's, there's nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes just driving a couple hours is worth also changing your perspective or changing your opportunities because in Southwest Georgia, the deer hunting is far superior to here. And so simply yeah. going up there and deer doing what, what normal deer do, um, it can also be worth it because there are some places, you know, all, well about this with Michigan, there are some places where the deer ratio is, is so low. Um, and, and they're so scattered that, 
you know, you can hunt for years doing it wrong and start to get really frustrated. And sometimes it's good to just strike off to an area where deer do deer things and there's a high, you know, a high opportunity. Yeah, 100%. And keeping it fresh too, you know, like the grind factor is great and you have to have that in order to be consistently successful every year, because no matter who you are, eventually at some point you're going to get in that, you know, in that state where you're just grinding, whether it's 10 days, 20 days, 60 days in a row, you have to be able to, to just grit your teeth and go after it. But on the flip side of that, something fresh and new is a great way to kind of escape that grind. And, you know, like for me, that was the Michigan thing as as grindy as that seemed. I was like, this is awesome up here. Totally different a landscape, totally different deer, totally different hunting. It was just such a breath of fresh air. And uh, that's just as important. You know, the, the mental aspect is everything in this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all one big mental game. I mean, don't get me wrong. Fit physical fitness comes into play as well, but at the end of the day, keeping your mind in the right, in the right place is definitely, uh, what it's all about at the end. I'm curious, dude, when we first had you on, uh, you you had, we talked gear briefly with you because we asked you if you were a saddle guy and you, you, you told everybody about how you wear a saddle as a safety harness from a tree stand. So I kind of like to pick your brain for a second. What about gear, dude? Like, what are you doing differently this year? You don't strike me as someone who likes to tinker overwhelmingly, but I feel like you find a need and you address it. So do you got anything like that going on for you? So really it's the same as last year for me. The only thing new for me gear wise is going to be a new bow holder. Uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear just came out with a bow holder that's going to mount right to your stand and swivel out of the way. So all the other bow hunt. Yeah, dude, it's, it's awesome. And all the other bow holders out on the market are kind of like protrude off your stand. They get snagged on sticks and all sorts of other stuff. This one's going to swivel. So I think that that's something that, you know, I love having my bow right next to me. Last year I had it on the tree behind me and it actually cost me a giant buck because I was trying to get my bow across my bridge where if I would have had it attached to my stand, I mean, I would have had a much better opportunity at killing that buck. That was one of the things that frustrated me. But uh, so, so that's really like the only new thing. What I do every year is I go through my gear and like I'll write down throughout the year where I'm, when I'm hunting, hey, like what cracked, what popped, what bumped against something else I didn't like, you know, did my release hit this? Um, so what I did this year is I took all my sticks, I took my stand, I took my camera arm, I took everything that had any sort of metal or plastic on it whatsoever, and I stealth stripped it. Just felt strip, you know, it deadens everything. That's a, that's a huge thing for me being so close to these deer is I, I hate hearing any sort of clank. And when you stealth strip stuff, you just get that really nice thud instead of a clank if you do tap it hard enough. Generally, you won't hear anything at all. So, so that's really the only thing I'm doing different. I'm still running the DS5. I'm still running the uh, custom gear sticks. I'm still running the tethered Phantom saddle. And I mean, for the most part, I would just I, I felt so fine tuned gear wise last year. Like I, I it was the first season I really think I've ever had where I was like, I mean, this is it. I don't I don't think I will ever need a different setup than I have right now because you know, like we've talked about before on a couple of previous podcasts, it, what I get to a tree and it does not matter what that tree looks like at all. Now, if it's got limbs on the front, I'll set my DS five up on the back of it and saddle hunt, you know, just use it as a platform. Like we talked about. And if there's limbs on the back, I'll set up on the front of it and just sit down like a tree stand and shoot a deer at a 45 degree angle in front of me. I mean, it's no matter what I do, I have a strong side shot now. And so that was a huge thing for me. That's a huge thing for self-filming as well. 
Uh, as far as like my camera arm is light, it's it's mobile, it's it's everything that I need. My bow, I mean, I won't upgrade my bow for a long time besides strings. I just I used to be a really big gear nut, and then I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm kind of wasting time on new gear and trying to figure out new gear where I need to just fine tune what I have. I need to focus on the more important things like scouting, figuring out bucks, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, my mental well-being, my physical well-being, all these other <laughs> things that are more important than what brand of whatever you have. That doesn't matter. Whatever you think, whatever works absolutely best for you is most important. And then obviously fine tuning it, those little details, you know, I'll go through and tighten up all my standoffs, like a quarter turn, I'll uh, replace washers that need re- that need replaced throughout the year, the little plastic washers, just like general maintenance of my equipment to make sure it's perfect. Yeah, I, I love that, man. I think I did a we we had a series of cancellations, and and the, you know both the guests and then Chase had to to bail at one point in time, and so uh, we were left without an episode. And I did a monologue podcast, which is frightening, right? Because they can tend to be kind of boring or you go know, kind of preachy. But I, I did it on like not letting gear stop you, right? Like, and what you just said is is perfect. Just getting out there and, and, and getting after it. I think there's a lot of people who, who get caught up in that like minutia of like feeling like they need X in order to be successful when there's a lot of people who have been getting it done for decades. Andre Diaquisto, uh, Diaquisto for, for example, getting it done on the ground, carrying heavy stuff, uh, heavy stuff, the, the birth of Lone Wolf. I mean, like I, I think there's a lot more people could do with less than they think they need to. 100%. I mean, look at a guy like Zach Farenbar, really any of the THP guys. Yeah, great idea. Yeah. Yep. You, you, they don't, they're on the ground, like, what, at least 50% of the time anymore yep. killing giant bucks. I mean, whether it's North Dakota, Iowa, all over the place, they're just on the ground. You, The equipment doesn't define your hunting. You define your hunting based on everything else you're doing, and your equipment's just a tool. It's, it's not everything. It's just a tool, and I used to be that way a little bit, and that's something that has evolved. Yeah. For sure. I, you know, it's funny. I killed my second buck late season. In, uh, it was like the last day of the season in Georgia this year on the ground doing the same thing because I had been hunting on the ground for a while. There weren't a whole lot of suitable trees and I kept getting frustrated. It was so like embarrassing, but it was one of these like aha moments where I'm getting super frustrated. God, I can't find a tree. Can't find a tree. And I was like, dude, just hunt on the ground. Like what? Like <laughs> I had gotten so conditioned to the way you hunt whitetails is X and I'm sitting there watching uh, the hunting public. I think it was when I was watching the episode where he uh, like broke apart a piece of public on the ground. It was Zach up in PA on the the public land challenge. And it's like day three, he connects. I'm like, ah, oh, dude, what are you doing? Like the terrain lays out very similarly, quit overthinking it. And sure enough, you know, it played out the way it did. But uh, that's something I plan on doing more of as much as I love hunting from a tree, dude, there are some places around here that are just way better suited for hunting from the ground. Oh, 100%. I mean, if I, if I had it my way, you know, like the filming thing kind of changes it for me a little bit because I feel like I can get better footage, at least semi-elevated. Um, and that's that's kind of important to me now. And it, maybe it shouldn't be as important as it is, but I like kind of showing everybody these hunts and like what goes into it. So at least right now it's important to me. But if I wasn't filming or I didn't care about it as much, I would ground hunt way more than I do. I mean, I have spots that set up way better for ground hunting it's just a matter of being able to film it too. And, you know, being able to set up a camera arm and be elevated helps the filming process. So yeah, if I wasn't filming, Oh my, I would be a ground hunting fool all over the place. I mean, I have a chunk of public like 20 minutes from my house that there's really not any trees. It's all thick and nasty, but it's, you could pattern a deer pretty easy in there and kill them pretty easy probably from the ground. I mean, that's, 
that's a killer tactic. I've got a buddy that lives in Wheeling and he killed two out of three bucks last year in West Virginia that were uh really good West Virginia bucks on the ground. I mean, he's a killer. Yeah. It, it's it's definitely something that people sleep on. And I think and I think it makes good sense. You know, we we make the transition from uh, hunting on the ground, tree stands become popular. It gives you an obvious advantage. Um, but I think, uh, I think the, the flexibility of going into situations with the willingness to like, what are you there to do? Are you there to hang from a tree? Are you there to kill a deer? Right? Like exactly. that's, that's the difference. And so a lot of times I go in blind to these areas and I take my, my saddle gear and I just hunt from the ground. I'm like, Oh, this is a great spot. I've got the angles I'm looking for. I got the shooting lanes I'm looking for right here on the ground yeah and that and that's that's the most important part you know go into it without any sort of like preconceived notion of what you expect your hunt to turn out like whether it's whether it's sign whether it's set up anything go in with a clean slate and go in to kill a deer immediately when you step off the road onto whatever it is onto a field wood line whatever it is you're you're there to kill pay attention to everything you know a lot of times i've set up on scrapes that were really close to the road that I was, you know, I was planning on going in a mile, but I hit hot sign, you know, 200 yards from the road. Well, I'm done. I'm set up. And I've had successful hunts like that. Like, why would I, why would I push to where I had this, this thought in my head where I needed to be when they're here? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm walking past the deer. Dude, you just, that is exactly how the last hunt of the season when I killed my buck happened. I had been walking past sign for every day. Like I'd I'm like, it's too close to the roads, too close to the roads, too close to the road. I killed that deer like 120 yards from the road. I could see the road from where I was, where I, where I was shooting and, and you know, out comes the buck. I mean, every time I would leave the woods, there would be fresh deer sign in the track and in, in like fresh deer tracks all over the place, right off the road. And I'm like, God, man, that was sure would have been cool to have been here when that happened. It's like, you could have been, <laughs> you know, but we, we you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, dude, is, is, is let the sign tell you what to do. Don't go deep just because you think you have to go deep and, uh, you know, don't, don't try and climb a tree just because you think you have to. I mean, go in there with the willingness to, to be successful and that do what it takes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There you go, man. So you're doing Kansas this year. You're doing the Ohio thing. You're doing the Michigan thing. What about Florida? How's Florida lining up for you? that would be that would be like a january hunt right is that what we talked about yeah that'd be a january hunt and and there's actually there's actually a special opportunity coming down the pipe with some uh regulation changes i'm not going to broadcast on the platform but when we hang up i'll tell you about it um but yeah dude like mid-january honestly it might it might be on my radar i'd like mm-hmm. to get down See? there and with you guys big time that would be cool yeah 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 uh, it's uh I have found a couple pockets of really good quality deer with not a whole lot of people, which is kind of nice in this area. Uh, the weather will be pleasant, and uh, you know, worst case scenario, if we if we smash a couple deer and we're feeling uh, pretty good with ourselves, we could always go to the coast and 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 go inshore fishing. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap this up. Hang on one second. I want to chat with you afterwards, but guys summertime scouting is here and especially in the deep south it is very difficult to get outside because it's so hot i mean literally you walked out my back door this morning at 7 a.m you could have cut the air with a butter knife it was so thick and humid but this is the time you saw me last year put a lot of uh, time and boots on the ground midsummer it seemed kind of nuts sometimes it's difficult to figure out how the sign you find in the summertime translates to the fall but having a familiarity with the land itself is one of the advantages that come over that so no matter what you do do me one favor get outside and enjoy the great outdoors